Hi, this is Rosalind Darby again, November, local architecture now here at Coast Access Radio. And um, we have Suzanne McNamara with us, remotely from Auckland, who is the editor of a magazine called Uptown, which represents the Uptown Collective Neighbourhood Community. In what, in what sort of area? Hi, Suzanne. Hi. And what what yeah. areas do you cover? I've got a lovely cartographic uh, map in the middle of well, this magazine. Yeah, we're actually quite a small um, a small area. Um, so we're what Auckland calls um, bids. So we're a business district, um, and we get a targeted rate, and that's how the Uptown magazine has actually come about. So it's essentially funded by the ratepayers of the area. So it goes from the bottom of. Newton Road, which is a very kind of busy through road up to Simon Street, um, and then it goes down to sort of the overpass of Simon Street, where you would walk over the motorways and head down to K Road, uh, then okay. down to the hospital, but doesn't actually include the hospital, and through to Mountain Road, um, and then back up to Mangafau, which, which is you know the big mountain, Mount Eden. Um, yeah. And partway, partway on the way to Mount Eden. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a reasonable size area, but um, very creative kind of spot. Lots of you know interesting quirky businesses going on there. Yeah. Um, and it's got some main arterials that run through it. So you've got obviously Mount Eden Road that kind of feeds into Simon Street. You've got New North Road uh, that feeds into Simon Street, Newton Road, and then Kyber Pass, which is yet a major road. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's got a lot of roads, and you know how Auckland, Aucklanders love their cars. Um, yeah. But we hope that one day that could potentially change. And, I mean, I was just on Simon Street the other day, actually, thinking, you know, the trees, all the leaves are out, and it's really beautiful. Mm. Um, and wouldn't that be nice if it was pedestrianised and there was big, wider footpaths and you know, alfresco dining and that kind of thing. But at the moment, you couldn't really do it because it's a major thoroughfare. Well, it, well, you could do it, but it just wouldn't be quite as pleasant. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, right. Well, um, listeners, the reason that um, Susan is with, with us today, firstly, is that she is the editor of this magazine, which represents a little area called Uptown in Auckland. But also she... Um, signifies the last, the third in the series that we've had um, from people who are sort of writing about about neighbourhood community, urban urban issues, um, Suzanne being the editor. And the first, first programme was with um, a, a professor of public policy over in Baltimore, Maryland, talking about a book that I read here that I picked up at our local art gallery. And he was more of a sort of geopolitics, urban geography sort of scale and then we whipped over to San Francisco and we spoke to and the um, person who compiled some oral histories of a sh very tight inner city Victorian street in Liverpool in England and now we're coming back home to New Zealand and we have Suzanne because I, I was given a copy of Uptown some months ago and just sort of totally engaged with the magazine um, in, its, in its whole kind of approach and uh, so, yeah, you have the honour of, of finalising our series on writings on these things about urban geography, etc. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much. I feel honoured. Yes, well, you are. Um, <laughs> and um, so I, I've just actually flicked through the previous two issues online yeah. of Uptown right. just to get some sort of background. And um, it's interesting. Like The first two, two issues were great, you know, very much in that kind of local business, celebrating local businesses, all the diversity of businesses, very much like a collective of the of the diversity of. And then by the third, it hasn't taken you long. And then the second one, you introduced the urban dis, urban d advisory uh, couple, right. and that yeah. was sort of like in just looking at you know how they might come on board. And now by the third yeah. issue, they've been and 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 yeah. kind of had this workshop. And now it's very much, you know, you're getting into the actual sort of you know this, yeah. this magazine sort of. <clears throat> Well, you wait until the next issue. The next issue is about to come out on Thursday. Yeah, oh, that's time. Um, yeah, so the urban advisory, just um, so you know about them, we, um, I actually also run a shared space in Uptown, uh, and urban advisory are in that shared space, and so, up, you know, had lots of chats, you know, over making a cup of tea in the kitchen kind of thing about what they're up to, 
Um, and then Brent, who is the Uptown Business Manager, was also in our shared space for a wee while. He's not anymore, but um, and of course he got to know them. And, and, and our, not, not an issue, I wouldn't say it's an issue, but our big focus, um, both on the Business Association, which I'm a member of, um, is around the 100,000 square metres, I think it is, that uh, is, is once the uh, station has been built, um, so in a couple of years' time they're going to be wanting to sell off all that land um, and we want to be fully involved in how that, how that land is designed. Okay. So, and the Urban Advisory is fantastic because they you know, come to the table with all these sort of different ideas about how you can actually live uh, from, you know, um, what do they call it, sort of equity, equity renting, equity um, sharing of, um, house, you know, houses, you yeah. know, collective um, yeah. renting. We've already actually got one which was featured in the magazine, which is the Co, uh, run by a young guy, Ben, who was in, uh, lived in San, went to San Francisco after okay. he finished his degree okay. and lived in one himself. And so they're, they're basically... Um, like a massive, big, you know, well-spec shared space down the bottom with, you know, big kitchens and games room and, you know, a nice um, uh, sort of like big TV room with big relaxing chairs and, you know, um, sort of really highly spec but then everyone gets a bedroom um, and you share some bathrooms and so that's sort of targeted as a young urban professional. And that's an uptown, is it? That's an uptown. That, that's already an uptown. Yeah, I think I've seen that uptown. in some um, housing collective, housing co-op yeah, housing thing similar well you might have you, you potentially could have read it in the magazine because we featured it in the magazine so he came back with that idea he's only 23 when he started this yeah. and I think said to his parents I think this is you know uh, something we can do now he's on to his second one he's building another one over in Ponsonby huh. um, and yeah it's it's really um, you know quite an interesting way to live and I think about how I lived as a younger person on Auckland when I came back from overseas I lived in big flats. I mean, in those days, you could rent beautiful sort of old houses in Hearn Bay, Ponsonby, um, and we, you know, I rented a seven-bedroom house, and I think about, you know, the people that I knew in those days are still, most of them are still friends with me now, and, um, you know, we were able to make lots of connections and things like that, you know, um, yeah. and because I didn't, I didn't actually go to university in Auckland so I, and I didn't go to school in Auckland so I didn't have that background and there's a lot of people like that who come to Auckland for work and like living in a big shared sort of environment like that I mean you just meet so many people and make so many connections and new friends and things like that yeah. and um, you know and you build your own community you can build an instant community and you know, that's what keeps us connected, that's what keeps us together, that's what keeps people happy, you know, feeling like they've got some sense of belonging and that they are in a community. Mm. So, and that's what Urban Advisory are saying, like, there's all these different models overseas, but we are so fixated on, you know, um, having our own mortgage, living individually, yep. um, all that kind of thing, whereas that's not necessarily how things are done on an international scale. There are other models that we can use. Um it's interesting. And, yeah, and we want to see if we can experiment with some of that in, in Uptown because we've had lots of, um, well, as you've seen in the, in the issues, you know, our, meet, our visioning meeting, that became apparent that people wanted to, do, to, you know, either couldn't afford to or wanted to live in a different way and wanted to be part of a community uh, and feel like they were more part of a community. So, yeah, we're, we're just looking at, ways that we can influence that land that's going to be coming up for sale um, and that also means in terms of amenities as well because one of the things that Uptown lacks is having a supermarket you've got to actually get in a car and drive to it but the Uptown area has been is going to be the most densely highly populated um, intensified housing area in the Auckland region like it's got that in its plan um, and we just had uh, across the road from me, where where I work, we just had uh, 59 France Street go in, which was at the time quite controversial because they pulled down a um, uh, the King's Arms, which was one of the few remaining live venues in Auckland. Uh, and but they've built this you know really amazing apartment building, mm-hmm. which we featured in the last issue. Is that Sky? Um, Is that SKHY? No, that's 
no, that's another one. That's up on on the rise on the actual Simon Street. Okay. That's amazing as well. Uh, but 59 France Street was built by Urban Collectors, I think they're called, and okay. um, it's Paul Brown Architects designed that one, and they've taken the bottom floor, or half of the bottom floor of that, and so that opens up onto a sort of central courtyard. Again, you know, some kind of shared space where you can meet neighbours and you're not kind of, you know, locked away in, um, you know, in your apartment. You've got some you know, somewhere to go and sit outside and have a cup of tea. Yeah. And Sky is like that as well, actually. They've got a um, sort of shared courtyard in the middle there, um, which is sort of bordered by commercial, and then you've got the big tower. Um, yeah, so... So um, those ones that have already been built and already... In yeah. Here, are they kind of giving you ideas about the way that you can look at the potential around this land that you're workshopping for? Uh, not so much. I mean, that's very much the traditional model. It's yeah. like, um, you know, buy a building, knock it down, you know, maximise the land space and build a tower and, you know, yeah. make some money kind of developer kind of thoughts. But, you know, 59 France has been done really tastefully, as has Sky. Um, so it's, you know, getting away from those horrible, you know, cheap apartments that we've, um, were built in the sort of 90s and thousands so yeah because Auckland um, could become like one of these other successful international cities which even though they're huge and they do have problems of traffic and density you end up living in neighbourhoods and, you, and your neighbourhood mm. is, is, could be just like the same neighbourhood you know and that's what gives it a sort of manageable, manageable feel for a big big city which Auckland is now yeah yeah exactly and with the city rail link going on it's got it has so much potential with that because, you know, hopefully people will start to get out of their cars because they can get around Auckland in an efficient and quick way. Um, I mean, anyone who wants to take a car into the inner city even now, I mean, the speed limit's, you know, 30. There's, you know, not a hell of a lot of parking left anymore. You can't park on any of the roads hardly. If you do, it's expensive. So, you know, you want to be... Um, you know, and that's the drive to get people out of their cars and get cars out of the city and make it actually more, you know, friendly and pedestrianised and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and with the redevelopment around the waterfront, I mean, Auckland is changing so much and we've got, you know, uh, people who are sort of kicking and screaming going, you can't take our parking away and you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, you know, I mean, in my opinion, they just have to get used to change and we need to get away from a city that's dominated by cars because that's isolating, you know. People are in their cars you, and it's, it's dirty and it's, you know, you're breathing all this pollution and um, and when you're walking around a neighbourhood, you do get such a you know, amazing sense of of neighbourhood yeah. um, and community and, you know, you know your local cafe owner and you know, they know your name and all that kind of thing um, yeah. and that activates um, all sorts of um, potential kind of ideas and, and businesses you know if people are, are feeling sort of if the place that they live in has got lots going on then it actually generates more, um, more business yeah. yeah that's right we have a really amazing garden and um, right in the middle of uptown as well called OMG which stands for uh, what's it called? I should know that because I've just written about it. <laughs> I just call it OMG all the time, though. Um, and that is, you know, quite incredible. It just feeds, you know, tons of um, families within the uptown area. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah. So you are, you go on a, I think it's on a Wednesday or a Friday, and grab, um, you know, your bag of uh, fresh vegetables. They only sell it to people who actually live in the area. Um, although you can go and buy seeds and seedlings from there if you don't live in the area. But it's very intensely farmed. Mm. So um, they they do very, very close planting. So there's no room for weeds, basically. And so this, you know, little area... Um, how big is it? I'm just taking a look at the... Uh, 310 square metres. And it employs two people and grows 50 crops year-round. That's that about the size weekly. of... That's a very small site, isn't it? That's a very small site, yeah. So they do 35 vegetable boxes for local families mm. and they define local as, you know, people being able, that are able to walk to the farm and collect their vegetables. Mm. So that's kind of right at the top of, uh, 
the um, New North Road and Mount Eden intersection. Um, it's such in the city, and it's amazing that you can get a, you know, yeah, you can do that sort but of activity. Yeah, yeah, and then people can bring their own um, compost there, so you can go on a subscription. So you can, if you live in an apartment up the road, you can save your composting and take it down there on a weekly basis, um, and your food will be turned into compost and then used at the OMG garden. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing to have, you know, in the neighbourhood. And these urban farms, IMG want to do more of them. Um, so, you know, watch the space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So um, the, I notice in this book I've got here, which um, sort of grabbed me, you know, you got more into, say, talking about architecture and these lovely sketches of these historic mm. churches around in the area. And, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Illustrations. Illustrations are great. Yes, we yeah. have a wonderful illustrator uh, called Natalie, who's a French lady, lives in Blenheim, but I had the good fortune of working with her for a short period of time. I really liked her work. And so when we started the magazine, I said to Brent, that, why don't we illustrate a map? I know there's really a good illustrator who'd be good for that. So we did that. Yeah. And um, the illustrations have just grown, particularly in this last issue that we had to um, put together during Auckland's lockdown because we couldn't really get out and get the photos. We had, the, uh, you know, A, the cafes went open for a period of time because we've got a big coffee um, feature in this next issue. Uh, and so we just, you know, drew on um, Natalie's skills because uh, we also had had some, a couple of pages on wellness and a couple of pages on beauty, you know, just to feature those businesses that are in the uptown area. Um, and she was just able to draw some lovely little sketches. It was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this, um, and the map, then that's in the centrefold, and that immediately um, gives you a sort of brilliant view yeah. in context yeah, of, of the whole yeah. thing. So, so you know that wonderful kind of, original set up in St Benedict Street or whatever it's called and it was the old stables and then it became quite kind of um, it was kind of, was that up there? It was a big kind of um, artist's workshop warehouse yeah, space. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened to that now. I think It became not, very I'm contemporary not... in the end, didn't it? That whole sort of yeah, location. Yeah, and I kept meaning to walk down there um, because I you know, did know about that sort of, you know, a number of years ago but I have a feeling that that may have been gentrified and yeah. not existing anymore because that kind of I think that uh, also goes into the uh, sort of um, oh what's the complex called uh, on St Benedict Street there's a big yeah. sort of new complex that's got the Benediction Cafe oh, is that still which going? is a great that's... cafe and that big courtyard and there's quite a few architects and you know, the creative businesses I think Universal Records are in there um, yeah yeah so, it became much more yeah sort of contemporised yeah yeah, but I yeah, do remember I had the best blinking um, granola breakfast at that restaurant years and years and years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's changed hands a few times, and uh, items that I've got now are actually really good. Oh, and okay. I've done it out, and it's sort of back to being a buzzing place in Uptown because it kind of died a bit of a death there for a while. I can just, um, I'm looking at the map, yeah. and I can see OMG right there, right in the heart of yeah. things. Yeah, 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 it's right in the heart. Yeah. Um, and each issue we change the map in terms of like what we feature on the map right. so uh, we have any kind of feature that we do we put that in there um, and so on the cover of this coming upcoming one is Caitlin Crisp who is a young and up and coming fashion designer uh, and I've also got a feature on an architect called Prue Pen, um, is it Penfold oh what's her name um, and she and that came about because I had an unperson system, which I accidentally left her out of the architecture feature. <laughs> which, was last the last month, which was the last month, which was the last one we did, yeah. The, and, um, but it was actually really good because she's got such a good uptown story because she bought the building that she works from and gutted it and made it into like a studio on the bottom floor and made it an apartment on the top floor for her parents. So, oh, yeah, that's great. And she also got married in Uptown, so it was a really nice... So she deserved more space just because she's such an Uptown kind of gal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. she's she's a feature, and she's actually working, you know, like intergenerational and everything right in the heart of it. Yeah, of, of yeah, right in the heart of it. Sort of pinfold, sorry, not pinfold, can you say? Pinfold, yeah. Um, yeah. 
improve him fold. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. And then, uh, you know, funny, funnily enough, we just bang into each other. She recognised me because of my photo in the magazine, and we're sitting in our, you know, a local cafe that we both like and share. The, uh, it's called um, Modicum, just around the corner from her. Um, and she goes, oh, are you Suzanne? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Like oh I'm pretty and I was like oh my and then I was like oh my god sorry I left you out of the last magazine that was just like a complete mistake on our behalf and then I was like don't worry we're going to feature you so she gets two whole pages in this yeah upcoming one and that's out and on she, Thursday is it it's out on Thursday yeah. yeah 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 so yeah and she says uh, in this you know Uptown holds special memories for me. We held our wedding in the courtyard of Site 3 in St. Benedict Street back in 1998. That's so that Site place. 3, that's the place that we've just been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Site yeah. 3. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... And so she... Yeah, and then she's now working and living here and with her parents in, in, a, in an apartment yeah. upstairs. Yeah. Sounds Yeah, great. cool. And the other great thing that we've been able to do with Uptown is to talk about topical things like Saving St. David's which was a Presbyterian church that they could no longer afford the upkeep because it needed so much um, earthquake work. And Paul Baraganath, who is... Um, Baraganath? Baraganath. That's a, film, a, well, that's a well-known name. <laughs> um, he, he, I think he's like the chair the, yeah, of a charitable trust of Friends of St David, so... They put a campaign together to try and save it, um, and the good news is it has been saved um, because Ted Manson, who is a well, he's now a founding patron of um, Friends of St David's, he bought the entire site and he's going to sell off the bits around the church, but keep the church, and it will be turned into a centre of uh, a music centre, um, so and restored. Um, and it'll be no longer used as a church mm. as such, but it's got amazing acoustics. Um, and it's got all these like little rooms underneath it, which can be individual music rooms. Um, so they've got a lot of work to do, but they have, you know, they've at least saved the church, which is amazing. How do they do that? That's amazing. That's a success story. Uh, well, they money. Well, they, if you had good funding, fairly connected, and I think he just, you know, talked to everybody in you in Auckland, and uh, because the thing about that church was that it was actually built by Aucklanders. It was fundraised. Um, as a living memorial for the World War One soldiers, mm. uh, so it had a lot of history and a lot of meaning. Um, and you know, I mean, it just takes you know a couple of dedicated people like um, Paul and Lisa, um, and they just work really hard and uh, you know managed to uh, talk somebody, <laughs> Ted Manson. <laughs> Who's a he's a developer around Auckland, and obviously you know had the money to buy the church and yeah. save it. And is there a lot so, of? Is it, will it be a lot of um, outlay in terms of um, refurbishment and restoration? Yeah, I think they've got a little bit of money to do some basic refurbishment, but they'll have to raise money for that. So yeah, so the earthquake proofing um, or you know earthquake strengthening, I should say, yeah. uh, will be the next stage, and then you know then it'll be on to the music. Thing. So yeah. So the music thing will be like a centre for people to come and learn music and do performances and and learn and go to lessons as well as. Yeah, yeah, exactly that okay. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what uh, do you think will happen to the land around it? Will that go into housing or? Well, yes, that will. So that'll get sold to other developers. Is that um, where Urban Advisory comes in with you guys in terms of like doing well, that? Not well, really. Not really, not really on that side. Um, I mean, it'd be great if you know that was a possibility, um, but I don't think so. I think yeah. you know, um, probably it'll just get sold off to other developers, and they will maximise that site. Now, that site has got one of Auckland's oldest Sahutkawa trees on it, which yeah. is a stunning, beautiful tree, uh, 120 years old. Um, so I've already mentioned in my intro into that successfully saving St David's piece that you know, we need to save that tree. Yeah. Um, but developers in Auckland are very good at saying, oh, no, well, we couldn't save it because its roots were going to get damaged yep. or something along those lines. That's how so, it works. So the, the, the hair that's roots, how yeah. it works. So, yeah, and that would... And it's, you know, kind of passes a fairly bleak road, um, to be fair. So having a, you know, that beautiful tree lost would be, I think, would be a crime. Um, 
But, That's you know. why they cut them, because it's not just near the tree, not the fact of the tree, but, you know, as far out as all those hair roots go is where they, yeah, that's what I was just talking to an arborist the other day about. Yeah, so they'll say they can't save it, because, you know, that'll be their argument anyway. Takes up too much room. Oh, terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you so go to places like, you know, you go to overseas, to Germany or London or the suburbs of England, and they have massive trees which are ancient, and they and they just yeah. sort of... They, they build around they, it. They build around it. I don't know what it yeah, is about New Zealand. It's our, it's our sort of logging DNA from way, way back. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. We've got lots of cases of that going on in Auckland. I mean, we just had a big one at Canal Road, which is in Avondale, where a guy actually, you know, purposely built, uh, planted all these trees. And we're talking Peruri, you know, which is the most carbon sequestering tree that New Zealand, right. New Zealanders can plant. Right. Um, and they were just clear-celled, you know, and the <gasps> developer just refused to engage with, you know, at all, and council did nothing about it. Yeah, it just so, amazes me. Know, it amazes me yeah. that I think that's an improvement in terms of a well-being of a community where, you know, we need trees. Yeah, and Phil Goff campaigned on planting a million trees. I don't know what trees he was talking about. Was he talking about pine? <laughs> or what was he talking about? Cause, at the same time, they, you know, they, you know, they felled those peruri, my goodness, and they're amazing yeah. trees. Oh, they are. They're incredible. And for the wood pigeon yeah. with the berries and everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, they're, they're really good for the, you know, biodiversity, ecosystem, carbon sequestering. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but yeah, gosh, it's so hard to save these things. Um, is uh, is Grafton Cemetery uh, in the in the mix, or is that that's no, that's just over the that's uh, we sort of cut off just at, at Grafton Cemetery actually. Right, uh, or just right. So that overpass that goes down Simon Street with the motorways go underneath, that's the kind of end of the uptown area. Mm -hmm. So where you get off at, um, if you're coming on the motorway from the south, uh, there's an exit right at the start of uptown, which is where the co is, that um, uh, executive shared living is in that building, which has got amazing views actually, right over Rangitoto and out to the harbour. But that's the end of it. So he so, runs it like like any any guy who leases a flat, say, would, and then he's yeah. you, someone someone gets the flat lease, and then they have flatmates, and he does it like yeah. that, doesn't he? But he yeah. happens he to own it. Like it. That. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's great. Yeah, and uptown there's been just been a long ten year um, apartment building just been built, uh, so that's the um, build to rent model. Okay. So that's where a developer will build a building and won't sell the apartments. So just put renters in there but the, the great thing about the renters for the renters is that it's a long tenure so you know that you're never going to get kicked out of your apartment you can take a 10-year lease if you want to kind of thing yeah um but i mean I and that suits so many people expensive. because is it expensive rent is it well i thought it was all right yeah, yeah i okay. mean you know three bedrooms for a thousand bucks a week yeah. but a brand new apartment yeah so that's, um, that's not going to solve the sort of low-income housing no, 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 it's not for a lot. Or the student, students or anything. Yeah, or it won't help people trying to get into their own house. You yeah. know, because you'd be shelling out so much. Be it works for so, people I mean, who are coming from overseas and they need to rent for their whole family for a while until they decide where they're going to buy a house kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Or, you know, lecturers at the university or, you know, people, yeah. executives who are coming in just for a short period of time or film crews, that kind of type of thing. Yeah. Um, it's probably well set up for that. Um, and then there was a hotel on the Quest, that got a Quest in for two floors of that building and apartments for, I think it's three floors above the hotel. So we've got our first hotel in our town. So okay. that's handy too. So it's just across the road from Manafo where you can just walk up the, um, Manifau, I should say, walk up the mountain if you want to for your morning exercise. Manafau, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mount Eden Corrections, I've just noticed. I'm looking at the map the whole time you're talking. Oh, right. (laughs) Um, And I can see um, Simon James is there. I remember when I did go to that St. Benedict's Site 3, I popped into St. Simon James years ago. Yeah. Oh, Simon James stuff is just beautiful. Yeah, there's a real design aesthetic that is going on in uh, town with all the design stores. So you've got... um, the likes of ECC, you know, very expensive lighting. But but great, yeah. Uh, Studio Italia, very, you know, high-end Italian furniture and kitchens and wardrobes. And um, and then Simon James, which he imports 
you know, quite a bit as well as Nick's stuff here in New Zealand. Um, and we've got Cheetah and Bo, the Bo Concept and um, a few others around the place. So, yeah. It's um, wanting me to... It's you know, get back up there. I haven't been up to it for a while. Yeah, I can see all of the, yeah. 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 And then we've got, you know, a number of architects in the area as well, which we featured in that issue that you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, and so it's I just this real, in the city. Ma oh, you share a space with Make, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we've got a couple of architects in our shared space. Um, is it called so a shared space, or what, is this a... Yeah, like it's a, a shared space. We call it Studio 74D. Oh, this is shared. Is that that sort of system, which is an overarching system called shared space? And you, and no, 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 no. Shared space is just a website where you look. That's right. Space. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so shared space, I'm just a co-working. We've just got a co-working space. So lots of, you know, small companies um, all sharing. Mm. Um, so we share meeting rooms, um, you know, client car park. We have a coffee machine and... Um, you know, obviously internet, um, and yeah, people just... And that works you know, well? Yeah, oh yeah, it works really well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, although we just had one company resign during the lockdown because that they were, they make a lot of revenue from the events that they run, and there's no events happening. Mm. So, a bit of a squeeze, so we've got a little bit of space, but we were like fully subscribed there for a wee while. And does that, that doesn't include hot desking or anything? Yeah, yes, so that, yep, hot desking, but we we more often than not have permanent people mm. um, who want to rent, you know, five days a week, but we do also offer hot desking. Mm. Um, yeah. So this Basque Park, I don't think I've ever been there in my lifetime. Yeah, Basque Park's a funny one. I mean, it's a gorgeous little park, and in, in some ways it's a really, you know, like natural amphitheatre, and the Business Association put on an event there, well, when we could have events, what was that, a couple of years ago, um, which was well patronised and, um, you know, we could have been building on that if we'd had a different environment. Um, but Bath Park, I think, lacks um, access. Um, it's, you know, I mean, from my work, if I was, well, there was a way that I could access it through the bottom of the car park, of the park, but if I came in a bit higher, it's like you've got to actually, there's no steps down into the park, so I imagine, like, the amphitheatre, um, and you want to get down to the bottom where you can sit on a flat piece of grass or, you know, throw your picnic blanket out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got to kind of make sure you've got sturdy shoes on and, you know, take it easy, mm -hmm. going down quite a steep bank. Um, so, funnily enough, I was just thinking about that this morning because I'm on the Business Association as well and I was just thinking, what are we actually doing about that park? So is it, is <laughs> it, is it an old park from a long time ago or...? Oh, I believe so. And is yeah, it backed yeah. up, backed into? Is it the? Is it backed up by houses or commercial? Oh, it's surrounded by apartment buildings. Surrounded by apartment. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. is it down in Not a sort of? Is it down in a dip? Okay. Yeah. So um, I think the issue that you're looking at is a feature on a resident called Sue Lyons. Um, I'm just looking she, at that. She. she yeah, had, she bought an apartment like gets right on the edge of Bath Park, and that's one of the more tasteful apartment apartment blocks here. Right. That was a really well done one. Um, but there's, and, and most of them around there are okay. There's a few, more, you know, that aren't. Um, but yeah. But there's obviously lots of apartments in multi-rise or mm. sort of in, in that area. And yeah. and then that sort of obviously, the business culture comes off the fact that there's quite a big demo, strong demographic around there as well, like a lot a lot of density of of yeah. residents. So you get a lot of it generates, I guess, a, a sort of. Um, demand for these businesses well, you want that to go, are popping that's up. We've got the um, dogs of Uptown idea from actually, you know, going and having a look at Bath Park and then we saw all these apartment owners with all their dogs. Um, so if you look at the back of the, uh, of the magazine, it's like dogs of Uptown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so, and that's been, honestly, that has been our most popular page. People just <laughs> love that page. Do they look um, at their dogs? They are gorgeous. Yeah, they love looking at their dogs. And then we, I got that, the one complaint I've ever had was from um, somebody who wrote to me and said that we should not be promoting dogs in Uptown because the people in Bass Park don't obey the rules and the dogs aren't on leads. And some Grinch who was like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> I just ignored it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel I'm a dog owner myself. It's like, oh, go for it. But this year, 
uh, sorry, this issue. The dogs are gorgeous. Um, yeah, we've done cats. We've done oh. cats of Uptown. And so we asked the Uptown community to share some photos of their cats with us. Yeah. Um, and so we just got them to send, send it in because the, the dogs of Uptown, we actually went out and shot. We just hung around Barton Park and, you know, shot all the different dogs. Um, and we were inundated with cat photos. <laughs> and then I was like, what are we going to do with all these cat photos? We can't put them on the page. <laughs> um, and, you know, we can't cull them. We can't say, oh, this cat's cuter than that cat. And, you know, <laughs> leave some cats out. We're going to upset people. And luckily the designers that I work with were like, oh, it's okay. I think, I'll, you know, we can sort out something. So we actually clear cut around all the images, which is a, a bit of a... um collage them all together. Yeah, it's a bit of a departure from our usual um, art direction, uh, which is very nice. I say so myself. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and so we've got all these clear-cut pictures of cats on the uh, on the inside back cover. We love our quite cats, funny. that's for sure. Oh, we do. And yeah. if people are seeing their own, own in there, it's quite quite kind of heartening, really. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I'm, well, like, I'm way down here in Wellington, but um, I guess if it's your your animal that's in the, in the book. Um, yeah. yeah. So is Bass Park where people 40, do, do... Sorry? Oh, I was just going to say 41% of Kiwis um, own cats. Uh-huh. That's a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, cats are amazing. As <laughs> anyway, that's that animal conversation. And, <laughs> and, and, and do they walk their dogs in Bass Park? Yes. And so they let the dogs off there to run around and they sniff each other's bums as dogs do. And, and that's um, an official, like, dog off-leash place sort of thing? Uh, I don't know that it's actually officially off-leash, which was why that yeah, uh, person yeah, yeah. complained. Um, but it's so contained, it's an ideal place for it. Oh, yeah, I know, it should be. If it's not officially off-leash, it should be. And so people just get their dogs off and, I think, you know, it's largely ignored by the local authority. Um, but, yeah... There's the odd complaint that comes through. So I imagine the person who complained to me also complains to the council. Yeah, and they and they didn't really do much, hopefully. And then, yeah. And what about the whole cycling thing? I mean, um, is that doable all around that district? Well, I ride a bike to work. Oh, I've yeah. an electric bike. Um, I live in Mount Albert, and it actually takes me less time on the bike get to work than it does in a car and I'm 10 minutes drive on or probably um, on a good day when there's no traffic um, but when you've got peak times of course it can take a lot longer probably 25 minutes it's probably equal really um, but you know it's healthier biking but you know Auckland was carved up for the mighty motor car and um, you know you've got streets like Newton Gully, which I, I mean, I occasionally see somebody biking up there, but I would never bike up there myself. I think it's just one of those roads that you really are taking a life. That's so life threatening, in. isn't it, being surrounded by vehicles? Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't do it. But then you've got, um, up on Simon Street, you've got uh, bus lanes, which you can cycle in. Um, but then, you know, you get a big bus up your, up your bottom sometimes. Mm. But that, and on a knee bike, you're pretty fast. And a lot more people are cycling in Auckland because it's just an easy way to get around and um, e-bikes have really taken off because uh, Auckland's reasonably hilly so it just means that you arrive at work and you're not all hot and sweaty because you've, you know, you've got a system to get up the hills. Mm. Um, so, you know, we just need more people to do it. We need more people to get on their bikes and, um, and yeah, and to lower speeds as well. Yeah. Um, and for people to realise that, you know, the cars don't have the right way all the time. And, you know, the cars should be giving way to pedestrians and cyclists and um, other vulnerable road users mm. who don't have the protection of cars. But in Auckland, it's, it's all dominated it, by vehicles. Oh, it is. And it's a long, it's a long game. because It's you know, a long game. And Auckland Transport is chipping away at it. You know, council's chipping away at it. Um, you've got people like Simon Wilson who writes for the New Zealand Herald who, you know, is constantly painting a vision of what other international cities are like. Um, I remember in Copenhagen it's like a host of butterflies, like these intersections, four rows coming into it. There were just masses of people on bikes and every every, every, every road entry into this 
intersection. Yeah. And the women have all got their dresses in there and they've got their slingbacks and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. But I yeah. think that's flat there. You know, we have a problem with, with hills and yeah. things. We do, and we don't have enough cycleways. We don't have enough protected cycleways. Mm. Um, and that's where I think if, you know, you want people out of cars, you've got to give them the protection. Um, Even yeah. driving, you know, you're driving along and you see a cyclist and you sort of feel, oh, my gosh, they're so vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some real well, bad yeah, drivers out there. I know, and I mean, as a cyclist, I just try not to think about it because mm. otherwise I just get too concerned and worried. But I do try and stick to cycle lanes as much as possible. Yeah. Because it's just safer. I mean, you just don't have any protection if you're hit by a car. And particularly, you know, at speed, which is why Auckland is in the process of lowering speeds around um, certain neighbourhoods. Mm. Um, and I'm all for it because, I mean, you know, if we want people to walk and cycle, and kids, I'm old enough to remember cycling and walking to school, whereas in Auckland, parents don't get their kids to do that because it's just too dangerous. Mm. We used to walk to school, and you'd never have your mum drop you off at school. You know, it's completely no, different. No, I know, now. and yeah. that, that, that also contributes to the traffic because, mm. you know, you've got parents in their big, you know, four-wheel drive tractors dropping their little, you know, Johnny and Mary at school. Mm. And um, it just creates more havoc. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in my neighbourhood, we started a walking bus. So mm-hmm. our kids went on the walking bus, um, and that was... You know, you get guided by different parents and you're on a roster and all that kind of thing. So mm. that was good. I was saying to um, Prof Short two, two sessions ago, that a sense of, I'm just looking at this, what you're talking about, and, and it's, it's almost like a bit of a return to the spirit of the 70s, where in the 70s we were having these workshops and we were talking about, you know, traffic calming and trees and things, and it's like some of that spirit is is sort of starting to emerge of how we yeah. can how we can sort of become more collective and because mm. I remember way back living in Ponsonby, yeah I, I um I was in this thing called the Green City Project Team at the Auckland Regional Authority, right. and we got to we we got to control the traffic in Hearn Bay and Ponsonby by designing all these little sort of traffic calming things. Yeah, and I don't know how successful that is. Was it endured or not? But um, well, there's more traffic coming going on all over the show yeah. um, because people just drive too fast. Um, yeah, and it's a shame the whole motor car is just you know the uh, has been I, I guess given too much dominance. Um, I mean, we're going to hopefully get light rail and all come at some point, but then you've got the detractors of that that go, you can't take out a road, you know, for um, you know, for, for the light rail, but in actual fact, light rail carries so many more people and what a motor car will. Yeah. Um, always so much more traffic than, you know, a stream of motor cars can. Um, and it just, I, that's what I get annoyed about is people just sort of clinging on to the past. You can't do that. You can't take that parking away. You can't do it, you know. Mm. And of course, the media jump on top of that, um, you know, because anybody who's complaining makes a good news story. Yep. Um, and so it gets a bad rap right from the start. Um, so it's about cost and it's about the, you know, taking the parking away. And uh, these people just need to look into the future a little bit because we can't keep driving cars constantly all the time because the planet's burning for one thing. Um, and we've got a population growth going on, you know. In Auckland, we're going to be, you know, adding another million people in how many years? I can't quite recall if it's 10, 20, or 30, but that's a lot of people. And if they all require cars, no one's going to be going anywhere. So, you know, we have to start future-proofing and being sensible about things. Um, and that's why the city rail link, where that 100,000 square metres, really provides such an opportunity to do things differently. But that's, it, it's, a, it's a very complicated kind of uh, situation because city rail link are there just to build the tunnels. Um, and to build the station um, and to get that up and going. And then Panuku, which is the council's, I guess, land-owning entity uh, that manages all the assets, the council, um, are going to be looking at it going, well, we want our money back because Auckland Transport slash Panuku have bought up all the land surrounding that over the last, I don't know how many years, 20, 30 years, with a view of building the CRL. Um, 
so you know you've got to be taking you've got to yeah we've got to be convincing those entities about yeah doing things differently and then you've got uh, Kaina Aura uh, who are going to have uh, you know some land in there as well to be building social housing in this area uh, that you're talking about yeah in, in this Uptown. area okay. yeah yeah so I think they've got a stake in it as well um, or they will have um, and then you've got yeah I guess uh, you know the demand on housing and then you've got demand for some more open space mm. um, and then facilities like the supermarket you know a bank would be nice or a post office um, but they're shutting those down as opposed to opening up new ones mm-hmm. um, and then you know it's it's sort of like in a little gully that area the where the Mungafoe station is going to be, which I hope is going to be Mungafoe slash Uptown, because um, we need to keep branding our Uptown area, because it's traditionally been Eden Terrace. That's right. So Eden Terrace slash Newton. That's um, right. And so we have, you know, been rebranding it as Uptown, and so it'd be great if the station was called Uptown. Mm. Um, Are we talking well Mount Eden Station? Is that the location? No. Yes. Oh, it that's is. the location, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, which won't be called Mount Eden Station because everything is um, in the big Tereo. So yeah, um, yeah. So it'll be Mangafo Station. Yeah. But you know, when you're in a subway in New York or London, they often have you know a name and then a slash another name, so you kind of know where you are. Yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of um, I guess there's lots of competing interests, I suppose, and um, the business association just wants to have a you know, have, have as much influence over that for the residents and the businesses of Uptown. Sounds like you're organised. Yeah, well, it's an ongoing, you know, ongoing um, communication campaign, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, that's what it's about. I mean, I think the, with this, you know, with, with future, I mean, people are still going to want to feel human in their city, and they do that by identifying with their neighbourhood and, and, yeah. and, um, and, and the stronger that little these neighbourhoods become through communication for a start off, um, that then somehow in the long view does influence the developers, doesn't it? I mean, because they know that they want to appeal to their, to their location market or something or they want to cash in on, on what's going on that's kind of energy. I don't know. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. So, I mean, we've got a young girl on our um, who works for Uptown um, Business Association part time, and she went to school in a high rise in Christchurch, and it was kind of like a modern contemporary school. And so she's, you know, she's put that on the table. She said, "Why should you know? Like, let's have a another, you know, school because the schools are all you're adding more people and more apartments and families. The schools are all busting at the seams around the inner city. Are they? Um, yeah, yeah." Because schools are becoming really good sources of architectural um, innovation. I was just looking at Brewer Davidson schools; they're amazing. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, schools can be, and they can lead that whole idea about like community and, and collective space and, well, exactly. and street street frontage. Yeah. Yeah, and then we had some kind of aura, you know, some social housing yep. in there mixed in with so, apartments. So, so kind of kind of aura is going like to be able to go. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Heck yes! And so, so this is what the your workshops with Urban Urban Advisory about yeah. is actually having some input from residents at this point to yeah, that's right to sort of give and some think, kind um, of context to the people who are doing what they're going to do the the business yeah, just so we can have a voice. You know, it's our neighbourhood. You know, don't just you know do things without consulting us. Fantastic. <laughs> I guess that's the message. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you. But how does how does Goff and team you know respond to that? Because are they they the sort of the final? What d- team? Sorry. How does Mayor Goff and and the council? How do they see? Oh, I'm not even con- sure if it's made it. I made it up that far. Right. Food change, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still early days because you know there's a fair way to go on uh, actually getting the station built. I mean, you've, it's it's amazing. You know, drive past it. I just drove past it the other day on uh, Sunday because I hardly you know, go into Uptown anymore. But I was driving through to get to Ponsonby, 
and you know, rubber necking out the window at the site. It's just incredible the amount of. Um, it's just a massive in- infrastructure project. Um, okay. Yeah, it was quite amazing to see. We should put some photos of it actually into the into the magazine. In fact, we're we're actually featuring one of the engineers from the CRL. We have a feature on there in the mag called um, "A Day in the Life." Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so that's a regular. We have that every every magazine. When I say every magazine, we've only just put our fourth issue to bed. So a day in the life, we've got a um, feature on Pete Byrne, who's thirty nine, an Irishman from County Mayo, and he has settled in Mount Eden, um, and he works for City Railway. So he talks about his, you know, what it's like a typical day. <laughs> Working in that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does he relate to, to a bigger city from where he's come from, or is the cities over in Ireland a little bit the same skies? Auckland's uh, probably massive compared to... Yeah, when, actually, I've this so long ago now, I can't actually... Um, so he says that he started when he closed down his roofing company, um, it transitioned him into a different role where he could use his carpentry. So he's got, you know, a building background. Right. Um, Went into engineering. Yeah. And now here he is in, in Auckland. So, yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, it, it's a really, it's, yeah, if, I mean, it's important. If this this infrastructure is going on beside you, that, that the the local neighbourhood has a voice. And, yeah. And just, yeah. And so urban, urban advisory, that's... Um, Urban advisory, yeah. That's um, well, I've got some names here: Greer O'Donnell and Natalie, Doctor Natalie Allen. Yeah. This is what they're kind of established their their consultancy for is to find ways to yeah. give. Uh, well, I think they're they're involved in a lot of different developments. I think they were flying down to Wellington every week there for a while, so they are, I think they're on sort of an advisory panel with the government as well. Don't quote me on that because I'm not. Maybe it was one specific project. It might have been something that was happening in Wellington that they were going down for. But, um, yeah, that is their thing. Um, Natalie's got a PhD in, in this kind of, in this field, and I think Greer cut her teeth on um, in the, you know, the Christchurch rebuild. Okay. Um, so she worked very closely with the guy who was heading that, Roger, I forget his last name now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, that's yeah. So they're a couple of smart, sexy women. No, it's good. It's, it's really good that they, they get, that they've managed to pull that together because it's it's the future. Um, I'm just looking yeah, at the definitely. quotes here for listeners. Um, it's evident that this is regarding the workshops that they. It's evident that everyone here is on board with the basics of the new vision for Uptown: a planned mix of social and private housing, the maintenance of the area's creative character and grit, and the kind of urban environment where families can flourish says Marty Judah, a journalist. It's a nice opportunity yeah. and one that you don't get often. This is... Um, r- 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 well, that's right. People feel energised by the fact that they can have a little bit of input. Input. And he says, we'll see if anybody listens to us, obviously. Um, something that's happened, it's obviously, you know, usually really good things, you know, in the end are done by private individuals. And we've got here the... Um, the I'm just looking at the, how much time we've got left, but Neil... The Roundhead Studios, that's a great article from an architectural oh, yeah. point of view, how they managed yeah. to refurbish that to be a yeah. completely you know, high-spec um, recording Sounds studio. Pretty. Yeah, that was incredible. So Russell Brown, who's a friend of mine, he does quite a bit of writing for the magazine as well, and he's a music head himself, so he was very keen to do that story. Um, and so we got the sound engineer, not the sound engineer, uh, what the acoustic engineer yeah, yeah Marshall Day yeah and um, Chris Day yeah, yeah Chris Day and then as it turned out Chris, Chris Day is the father of Simon Day who I've worked with off and on at a spin-off for a number of years and right. um, so that was quite funny I was like oh I met your dad <laughs> um, but yeah uh, you know that was really interesting I, I just went along because I mean I wasn't sort of adding anything but I just wanted to have a look at Roundhead um, and then I did bump into Neil and Sharon actually out the back in the car park. So it's Neil, Neil Finn who developed, who bought it. It's Neil Finn's, yeah, it's Neil Finn's building. Um, and his, Neil and Sharon, building. Sharon and has got these amazing chandeliers that she's designed. Yes, yeah. so she's got chandelier, which I really want to love to do a story on that because it's such an enigma. You know, you walk past it and it's right on the corner there and it's, 
you know, really beautiful work. And, and actually, in Roundhead, they've got all her chandeliers as well, so it's gorgeous. Um, but it's never open, of course. Um, and so I think it's just on a commission basis. You could commission her mm. through contacting Roundhead Studios. Um, and then there's a big apartment up the, on the top floor, like an amazing apartment. It's a be- quite a beautiful building. Mm. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so I think, you know... And it was all about the light. I think he said he'd spent all his life in dark studios and somehow they managed to maintain yeah. the soundproofing but still get exterior yeah. light in through by having this acoustic glazing or something. Yeah, so they put all this glazing on. The, so if you imagine that the window sills are actually quite deep and because um, it's all block concrete. Or, um, and then the outside window is just your, you know, your normal window. Um, and then on the inside of the window sill that you know meets the wall of the building they've put this acoustic kind of clear glazing um and that's in uh that's in sort of um like a, a form yeah that's in the performance space yeah i think they, they think they use it for um speakers as well you know like audience members. oh yeah they, they, like you could hold a bench there and everything it's yeah great it's got a you know big kitchen what a great place to if you're a speaker going in there and having your audience in that space yeah oh it's amazing there was actually an event actually happening they were launching something i can't remember what it was some kind of app the day that we were there so they were about to have a big event so there was quite a bit of activity going on when we did that story and that's that's somewhere in uptown somewhere down there yeah that's just on that's, Newton that's, road so it's just in that block um the pine of duke of edinburgh is that awful hotel um on the right. corner um and so it's just behind that the building right behind that so it's on the it just down from Simon Street on Newton Road. Okay. A big green building. Okay. We're actually going to have mm. to cl- wrap up soon. Forest yeah, and Bird. Opposite I, the stables. I, opposite the stables. Opposite, opposite Stables Lane. Yeah. Pretty much. Just yeah. across from that, diagonally across from that. Yeah. No, this is, I mean, the magazines like this, it just brings people's interest to the city and it, it just gives their whole sort of sense of corner of colour mm. and, and identity of place. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, yes. and, and behind it, there is this sort of residence. Uh, and and businesses all sort of fully functioning. Um, yeah. Forest and Bird, I, we won't even go into that, but that's marked in there somewhere. Maha, Maha, yeah, Ma- we have quite a few NGOs. Oh, right. And, like, Brent's come up um, with a great idea to have, like, an NGO hub. I can imagine if you had, like, you know, one building that had, you know, two or three floors of NGOs. Fantastic. Because um, we've got, well, I've just done a story on Dress for Success, which is an amazing charity. Yeah. Uh, we've got, um, you know, the Mental Health Foundation, we've got uh, Forest and Bird, we've got Volunteer New Zealand, um, we've got, oh, we've got, actually there's like a dozen charities in the area um, because I guess it was, you know, cheaper rent, possibly yeah. like way too expensive these days, so okay. it's too expensive um, and it's just, you know, in a composition on the edge of the city. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Suzanne, thank you. Um, it's given me a really good picture, and I hope the listeners have too. And yeah. and, con- and and really good, con- you know. Congrats on your next, your fourth publication that's coming out this week. Yeah. And um, yeah, pick up a copy. I will, and I guess you can get them online. But I guess you have hard copies. I guess they can get. Yeah, we do have hard copies. So yeah, send me your address, and I'll try and get. A I copy think I, I just got this automatically when I, I sort of went, got an email, and it came to me. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that's good. I must have must have yeah. entered into the website somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah, no, it's a real privilege, I have to say. When it's just been closing, like, um, I yeah, I'm really thrilled to be able to put together something like this. Yeah. Um, love doing it. Um, and yeah, okay, it's good. It's it's fun. And okay, it's great to you know bring something together and actually, yeah, it's satisfying. It feels like the seventies to me, and no, no bad yeah. thing. <laughs> mm. Well, it's only two issues a year too, by the way. Okay, so it's, yeah, it's not monthly or anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Goodbye, Suzanne. Right. Lovely talking. Okay. Talk to you. Bye. That was exciting, learning about an inner-city neighbourhood in downtown Auckland. Talking Rosalind Darby here from Local Architecture Now, speaking with Susan McNamara, editor of Uptown Mag. 25 years on my life is still Trying to get a bat, quick big healer of hope For a destination 
This program is made with assistance from New Zealand on air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand on air.